Welcome to Therapist to Brunch, a podcast in collaboration with Dive Through. I'm Dr. Carrie, and I have my PhD in psychology. And I'm Erica, and I'm a clinical social worker. We're here to talk all things therapy and beyond. From candid conversations with other mental health professionals to personal anecdotes, nothing is off limits. So grab a mimosa or a coffee and let's dig in. Hey guys, welcome back to Therapist to Brunch. As promised, we are back with our second episode about body image. If you did not listen to the last episode, pause this, go back and listen to our first episode with Britt. That way you'll get some context for our next episode. Real quick, we are kind of talking about some heavier topics, including disordered eating, eating disorders, things like that. So if that's something that triggers you, just be mindful of that. But yeah, welcome back to Britt and obviously Carrie's with me too. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're super excited that you were going to do two episodes with us because like Erica has said, this is a very hot topic. Um, We were talking a lot about our own personal experiences with body image stuff before we got started. But this episode is really going to be focused more on social media, which I feel like most people have had some experiences with how social media affects your perceptions of your own body. And just like, there's a lot of feelings around that. So we can go ahead and dive in. Um, So Britt, how do you feel like social media has affected people's perceptions of body image? So there are a number of ways I think social media affects perceptions of body image. I mean, if you think about it before social media, your exposure to others' bodies was primarily like in person, right, out in the real world, or maybe through some sort of print or TV. And social media has just made it so much more accessible to see others' bodies. And what that does is it facilitates social comparisons, which can be unhelpful. I think social media can distort the perception of beauty and how it's defined and also what's quote unquote natural. I think um, social media platforms have, you know, filters and things like that where um, it can really seem like this is how things are naturally occurring in the world when in fact they're edited or touched up or whatnot. Um, social media also just serves as kind of a highlight re- highlight reel of um, someone's life, right? They're only showing you what they want you to see. And so what that does is it neglects the remainder of that person's reality. And I think that's really easy to forget when we're looking at other people's pages. Um, So it's really easy to assume that everyone has it all together when we're only seeing a curated view of somebody's life, right? Mm -hmm. So at the same time, um, social media has created an avenue to access body positivity and or non-weight focused people or groups that can be really impactful in a positive way. So I do want to hold up that other poll that it's not all doom and gloom, right? Um, (laughs) It has also created an avenue for people to seek out and find others who have similar identities to them, which can be really powerful. So here I'm thinking of transgender and gender non-binary folks who may not have such figures in their immediate environments and connecting with others um, who are similar to them via social media can potentially have a really positive effect on body image. So I think it can go, you know, it's, it's not automatically a negative thing or a positive thing. It's, it's really kind of how you use it. I'm so glad that you brought up just the negative and the positive, because I think we tend to talk a lot about the negative. So I'm glad that we get to at least talk about some of the positives behind social media. And I think like me and Carrie use our social media platforms for good as therapists. And I think a lot of other people do that too. But one thing you did say in regards to the negative is just 
how social media is a highlight reel. And I think that that's not said enough. We hear that, but people still are comparing their unfiltered bodies and their real life bodies to pictures that are edited, to pictures that are filtered, to pictures that are taken in great lighting. And it can be really, really hard, especially when you're 12, 13, 14, looking at these images of people who claim to be the same age and they look nothing like you. So I'm curious, like, how do you even unpack that with either a client or, you know, a young family member or something like that? Yeah, I mean, that's such a good question. I used to work on an adolescent eating disorders unit, and that was something that came up quite a bit. And so I think just like really saying those things explicitly and more than one time to remind people that like, this is not normal. This is not what it appears to be. Um, and really just like fostering, especially in younger folks, you know, evaluation of themselves on something other than how they look or how they present to the world and really just bolstering their confidence in themselves in other ways than their appearance to others. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's- I think our appearance is like the least interesting thing about us. And I've heard people say that. And it's so true because we have so much more to offer than what we look like. But I can go on for days about this, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, so much of it is like not real. And me and Erica have talked about the use of filters and social media because like we both have used them before. And I think a lot of people have, but I feel guilty about using them. Um, Like I'm not going to lie, but like there are days where it's just like need to put something on my social media and I don't feel like I look great. And so I just put on a filter and I do feel better, which I think that does show like how social media it can be like not necessarily the most helpful for us, like as far as promoting our own body confidence or confidence in how we look. Totally. I mean, there's nothing wrong with using filters. That's what they're there for. As long as we're intentional about it and can recognize that, you know, this is on the, on the, if we're giving the creator of filters, the benefit of the, of the doubt, they're supposed to be fun, (laughs) right? They're supposed to be to enhance our experience. And I think that they're not often used in that way, especially ones that, you know, I mean, it's very different to use the, the filter that makes you look like a, an animal, like a dog or something versus <laughs> the filter that makes like uh, clears all your blemishes. Like mm-hmm. those have very different purposes. And so I think if we're just being intentional about it, um, you know, I don't want to demonize using filters. They can be super fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that It also depends on how you're feeling because I know for me in the beginning of the pandemic and I wasn't wearing makeup a lot and I wasn't, you know, we were just more like scrubbed out, which is totally fine and how I normally would be. I was realizing that if I took a picture without a filter, it felt weird. Like I felt like it wasn't me because I had taken pictures with filters for so long on Snapchat and things like that, not even knowing the effect. So I took a break from filters for a while and now I feel like okay, I feel like I look fine either way. So I think it's about also the intentions behind it and knowing that if, can you look at yourself without a filter and still feel beautiful or still feel like you? And I think that's so important because there's filters that we don't even realize it, but it's changing the shape of our nose or changing, you know, our jaw lines and things like that. And you don't even realize until you see that side-by-side comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in a world that tells us that filters are necessary, in order to be beautiful, posting something without a filter is such a radical act of genuineness and you never know who it's going to, who it's going to affect in a positive way, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. such a cool statement. <laughs> so 
as far as like us actually being on social media, what would you say like are some things that we can do like when we're navigating social media, like scrolling through things mindlessly or not mindlessly if we are struggling with body image or even if we don't think we are struggling? So I think doing what feels right to you um, is first and foremost the way to go. Um, If it doesn't feel good, it might warrant some attention as to like what, how is this serving me? And you said like mindlessly or not mindlessly. I think with social media, it can, you know, it can be a really mindless thing. And I think that's sometimes how we passively take in content that's maybe not so good for our well-being or mental health. Um, It's totally fine if what feels right to you to delete social media. You know, if I've had friends who've done that or at least like deleted for a little bit of time till they can, you know, interact with it in a healthier way, that's totally fine. No one says you have to have social media. And I've heard a lot of benefits from people who've deleted their social media. And I know that that's not um, the way to go for everybody. And so it's totally fine to unfollow accounts that don't make you feel good or don't promote well-being. Um, I did that a couple years ago. You know, if I, I've tried to be more intentional and if I'm scrolling through my feed and I come across something that brings up sort of like self-doubt or comparisons or any sort of like not helpful thought process, I, you know, take a second to just really consider, is this something that I need on my... And some people have said like, you know, but it's my sister-in-law or it's my best friend from college. I can't just follow them. That is why muting is such a wonderful invention. Thank you to whoever (laughs) invented muting. You can totally mute an account so that you don't see their content and you still follow them so that you have access to it if you want it. And they don't, they don't get a notification that says, Hey, Brit, Brit unfollowed you or Brit muted you. So that can be one way. Um, I think it's really important to curate your own feed, fill it with accounts that make you feel good. My Instagram now is filled with one dogs. Um, I follow more dogs (laughs) than people because they make me feel good. Right. And the other stuff that's in there is like, you know, self-worth and positivity curated accounts. And so, and my friends, of course. Um, And so, and y'all's podcast and each love it. Um, but those things make me feel good, right? I like learning about ADHD and parent management stuff from Carrie. And, and you know, like that learning makes me feel good. I don't need to follow fitness models because that's just not personally an interest of mine. And that might, you know, induce some sort of comparisons or something like that. Um, so yeah, just being intentional about curating my own feed has been such a game changer and is something I would definitely recommend. Totally. It's so funny that you said that because I was just talking to one of my friends pretty recently and she was saying that she has this whole separate Instagram for like home decor and she only follows home decor sites because she loves it. It looks really cool. And I was thinking about like how fun that is to have something dedicated to something you enjoy scrolling through and how like even like with my therapy Instagram, I actually prefer scrolling through my therapy Instagram because it kind of fills my soul and I get to learn information. Whereas my own personal Instagram, I'm constantly muting and deleting people because there's just so much stuff there that I, you know, doesn't serve me. But that also kind of leads me into like our other question is, are there any social media accounts you kind of recommend that are positive to follow? I know of a few, but I'm curious kind of what you're interested in. I know you said a lot of dogs. <laughs> oh yeah. If you need dog recommendations, I have a ton. Uh, you can DM <laughs> me about that. Um, but I, I, I went through my feed and I, or uh, the followers, people I follow. Yeah. And identified a couple of accounts that just really stood out to me when I was trying to think about 
you know, accounts that have something to do with body image, self-worth type stuff and are really positive. And so um, the first one that I came up with was Body Posa Panda, which is B-O-D-Y-P-O-S-I-P-A-N-D-A. And she's just so wonderful in terms of promoting body positivity. Um, plus all of her posts are like really fun colors. And I don't remember off the top of my head if, if, that, if I'm using her correct pronouns. So I really hope I am. Um, the second account is I weigh, I underscore W-E-I-G-H. And that one's just really great about tackling diet culture and promoting self-worth in ways other than body weight or shape. Um, and so that one's really awesome. And then the other two are, are kind of related, but slightly different. One is self-love supply and the other one is my self-love supply. And those are not body focused necessarily. Um, but they're just, they're posts about, you know, loving yourself and finding other ways to recognize how awesome we each are because every single human being, you know, is just so wonderful and has something to offer the world, um, with very few exceptions. And so those are just two more general accounts that I follow that when they pop up on my feed, generally, they really bring a smile to my face. You, um, actually liked something of body posi, posi panda. And that is how I started following them or you shared it. And I was like, Oh, this is a good Instagram account. Like I need to follow it. So that's a great recommendation. I'll have to go follow that person. I don't think I follow that one. But yeah, I mean, my biggest like tip for like looking for people to follow, and I just really started doing this in the last year, is look for people who have similar body types to you, if you know what your body type looks like. If you don't, follow people that look different than you or follow people that look different than the people on your feed. So you have this like plethora of people, like people who are all different weights, shapes, and sizes, so it feels better. I know when I was following like, I don't know, all the Kardashian Jenners and constantly seeing their overfiltered pictures over and over again, it was affecting my brain a little bit and I wasn't realizing it. And now I follow a lot of like, um, I guess, influencers that are not necessarily in the body positive community, but promote that community. And I think it's really cool to see, you know, that maybe they have rolls or they have cellulite or things like that that are supposed to be taboo but they're really not. So it's really cool just to kind of explore and see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And this might sound silly because I think it, on the surface it is. I would also recommend diversifying anyone's feed with things that are not people. So whether that's mm-hmm. like, you know, inspirational quotes at the very basic, you know, all the way to like nature stuff or animals. I follow a raccoon. Um, which sounds ridiculous, but he's very cute. Um, and of course a trillion dogs, but like just diversifying my feed. So the only thing I'm not like, so I'm seeing things other than people's body weights and shapes. Right. I don't know. Yes. I love that. Keeps me, I, keeps me engaged. I love following quotes too, because they're definitely like inspirational and like with all of these social media things, it's like they have their algorithms. So like the more you look at certain content, the more that content is shown to you. And I feel like that can be an indicator of like where I am at, honestly, like, and like, if I need to like change up some of the things I am searching so that like more positive things come up, I think it's like the way social media works, it can be like very helpful and also very harmful with their algorithms. Exactly. You gotta know how to work the system. It literally feeds you more of what you're searching for on purpose. And I think that, you know, if you're searching for ways to lose weight, 
that's all you're going to see. If you're searching for body positivity quotes, you're going to see more of that. So I think it's important, like you said, but I love the tip of following things that aren't people. I'm going to go do more of that. I definitely follow quote pages, but I could use some animals on my feed. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Well, Brit is the person to follow because she knows every single, is it Samoyeds? What, mm-hmm. what dog is it that you follow? Samoyed. <laughs> There's a specific type of dog that Brit follows and she knows all of them. She's even hung out with some of them that she follows on Instagram. So all good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I've met and I've well, met Samoyeds in New York City. I've met them here. I've met one that traveled all the way here from Toronto. Ryder, if you're listening to this, hey. <laughs> we'll definitely um, tag some of the social media accounts we've been talking about in our show notes. That way you guys can go look at all the craziness that we're kind of spewing right now. Yep. So we definitely will add those, but Britt, you've given us a lot of information. Is there anything else that you have that you haven't shared yet as far as tips about using social media or even just like improving body image for our listeners? Yes. So I think it's important to remember that shame is not a reliable catalyst for meaningful change. So shaming yourself or following accounts that make you feel badly about yourself will not result in sustainable health change. Um, I think it's really easy to forget that. Um, And social media can be, I mean, it's ubiquitous and it can be overwhelming, which is why it's imperative to be intentional about what sorts of messages you're surrounding your social self with. Mm -hmm. And shame, like that holds for like shaming others too, I would guess, like about their weight or even like any other behaviors. Like I think it's something people go to a lot, but it's not helpful. Exactly. Shaming somebody about the way their body looks does not actually do anything but harm them. Such an important tip. Yeah. Well, Britt, thank you so much for joining us for both of these episodes. Um, So we will share your Twitter handle where you share so much information about like eating disorders and all the new research that's going on. And we'll link it in our show notes as well. So thank you again for coming. And thank you both for having me. Yeah, pretty cool with having Britt on for both of those episodes. I feel like she did really bring us a lot of knowledge, though. I totally agree. I think it was so important for, at least for me, to talk about body image in, like, a way that feels relatable and, like, people can understand. Because I feel like eating disordered stuff can be really hard to, like, wrap your head around. hmm Yeah. One of, um, you know, the things she brought up about, like, when people compliment you and it might not be something that's positive, it definitely resonated for me. And like Erica and I were talking about this, but in high school, I got mono, which I feel like was a joke in high school. Like, oh, you get mono, blah, blah. But AKA, I, I got it in fifth grade. So think about the jokes that were happening when I was in fifth grade. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. I know I got mine from a friend who I shared a drink with, actually. But yeah. Did not get it from kissing someone, but anyways, <laughs> I remember I they didn't realize it was mono for so long, and I had a pr- pretty severe case where like I was sleeping constantly, like I had to be placed on like homebound school because I was like missing so much school, could not eat anything because my throat was so sore, and I lost like probably like twenty ish pounds, like I lost a good amount of weight and like. I was at the point where I was like considered underweight. If you look at like the BMI charts and I remember getting so many compliments from people about how I looked and I was like, "Mm, 
this is not healthy. And I remember Britt was saying like, if people just only stopped and paused and they thought, what am I actually complimenting her for? It's not a good thing. Totally. We were talking about this when we were not recording and they literally were complimenting you on your body shutting down, Mm -hmm. which is insane to think about. And, you know, I didn't get those types of compliments, if we're going to call them that, like for those reasons, but people used to compliment me all the time when I would lose weight and I was pretty much a yo-yo or a little bit, like I would gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, lose weight. People would make comments always. And I think, you know, I would start saying like, just don't make any, don't say anything. I don't, I don't want people to be looking at my body. And it's so funny that now as an adult who has kind of went through a lot of this stuff and kind of feel like I'm on the other side of all of this, but I still like don't necessarily want people commenting because it makes me feel like I'm just so out in the open. Mm -hmm. And I would rather you comment me on for me on my brains or like, or I don't know, something cool that I'm doing. And it's so interesting how we feel like it's such a good compliment. Like I'm sure these people that were saying to you, oh, you look so skinny, you look great, meant it in a good way. But I mean, imagine how that made you feel when you were like 15 or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was not good. Um, But like your comments that you brought up about like the doctor, I feel like were super helpful because there's so much different information too about like what you should say at the doctor or what you can say. And like, if the doctor does have to take your weight while you're there, and I think it's a huge source of stress to a lot of people, like going to the doctor anyways is not fun, but then going to the doctors worried about having to talk about your weight is really difficult for people to go through. Yeah. And I don't know if you've had a similar experience because I know you've moved around a lot, but for me going from like a pediatrician to like a primary care doctor for adults was really hard. Like I've probably went to maybe five since I've been in my twenties. And I finally, you know, I like my doctor now, but I had to really explain to her my history with food and things like that, which is not something I would have been comfortable doing 10 years ago. And I think it's just important the same way you would look for a therapist or anyone, these are people that are supposed to be like advocates for you. So you need to find a doctor that feels like they get you, that feels like they're not going to get your weight and say you're at risk for diabetes, you're at risk for heart disease, all of this stuff. Because Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people, and I know this could be taboo, but there are people who look overweight and may be overweight that are biologically healthy. So health isn't necessarily about weight. And I think it's just important that we start to like, I guess, just like Britt was saying, dismantle this diet culture and dismantle this culture that says like weight dictates health because it doesn't. Yeah. Like she was like, it's one factor, you know, but it's not the only factor of like your health and your like value of yourself, which is super important to think about and like hard to remember. Um, Yeah. I mean, going to the doctors though, like it, it's so stressful in general. I avoid going to the doctors just because it's like such a hassle to call, set up an appointment, not know how much it's going to cost. Um, all of that. So much. Oh yeah. I, it's so weird. I hate going to doctors. I went to urgent care for like three years because I, at least I could go there and say like, I have this symptom. I need something rather than my doctor who is going to say, well, you know, you had this issue last time and start connecting all of this stuff. It just, it's so much anxiety for a lot of people. So I just wish doctors had better training Mm -hmm. on 
like the stuff we're talking about, like body image and eating disorders. And some do, but there's just this lack of, yeah, lack, lack of education around it, I think. Yeah. And one thing that we didn't even get to talk about that, like, I would love to talk more about is like the thin privilege and like that whole idea, which I've listened to like tons of podcasts on, but like, I won't say that I'm super knowledgeable on it, but like, it is like a level of privilege that someone has based on their body. Um, and I think it's something that I would have loved to talk to Britta about too, to hear her thoughts, because I'm sure she has so many ideas. Oh my gosh. I have so much to say about this. Yeah. We definitely do an episode more focused on like diet culture and thin privilege, but I will say, yeah, I mean, it's when you're a person who's living in a smaller body, the world is made for you. Whether that smaller body is, is, because of an eating disorder or not, it, the world is still unfortunately or fortunately made for you. Airline seats, you fit into well, you fit in onto stools well, you just people perceive you as healthy. All of those things are a privilege because of being thin. And I think that's why I, I think I was telling you this, Carrie, that I learned recently that the body positivity movement was actually created by Black women, Black over black fat women because they wanted to kind of take back this notion that uh, being fat is wrong. So people who are thin, who are also promoting positivity are not necessarily part of the body positivity movement. Neither are white fat women. You could be supporters, but you're not, or allies, but you're not part of that movement because that movement was set for black fat women. And I think that's just like a really interesting concept because I definitely didn't know that. Yeah, you brought that up to me. And I remember looking for an article and it was titled Black Women Started the Body Positivity Movement, but White Women Corrupted It. And Mm. that just makes so much sense, though, because now a lot of Black women are being left out of the conversation on body positivity. So thank you for letting me know about that, because I didn't know. And it's we, I think, are learning consistently throughout making this podcast, which is something we love too, and something that's so important, um, you know, and so like, that's one of the reasons why we love having all of these knowledgeable guests on our podcast. Totally. And like, on the topic of social media, the reason I learned about this, and like, body positivity is because of social media is a positive social media. I learned about it by following people that were different than the people I was following before. And I think that's the way we can use social media for good is by educating ourselves and being really sure of the people we're going to for education. I think that's a really important caveat. But yeah, I agree and echo that sentiment completely. One of the best parts about this podcast for me is getting to learn from all our wonderful guests. Well, we had so much fun talking to you guys for the last couple of weeks and talking to Britt. Thanks again to her for giving us some time to talk about eating disorders, disordered eating, and body image in general. So if you like our podcast, make sure to subscribe and read us five stars and share our podcast with your friends. And we will be back next week.